Lulia. Lulia. I'm trying to figure out how to say this, and, and Woodley's going to have to step in and save me on this as we have uh, on our Sensorina VR feature interview of the week on In Goal Radio, the podcast, uh, Anders Nielsen, uh, former National Hockey League KHLer, and uh, just uh, recently hung up his blades, and he is from Lulia. Did you just like roll out the L? Like, I can't roll my L's. Uh, so, Woody, give me the, your best impression or uh, advice on how to say Luya. Lilia? Lilia? I, I don't know. And I thought when Honors <laughs> was no better than I, I am. See, when Honors was saying it, it was like I thought he had an O at the end of it. And I the, this is the funny thing. I'll say it in front of you. I'll make an attempt. But I was so self-conscious about it when we, I was talking honors. I just went like full North American. Lulia. Like I just I just I couldn't even <laughs> like Siri. I didn't You're like Siri. I was. I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to get it wrong. I was embarrassed by by my I thought the attempt at getting it right might be worse than just totally Americanizing it or North Americanizing it. It, it reminds me of going to Sweden. My first training camp with the Vancouver Canucks as a reporter was in Sweden. It was Daniel and Henrik Sedin's first training camp. They're from ah. they're from Onskoldvik. Onskoldvik? Yeah. Something that I don't know if I'm butchering it again. Everyone, the Swedish reporters got to meet them. And I remember they all just said, just call it Ovik. And so it was yeah. Ovik from there. Sometimes you got to find that bailout. I think, I think Forsberg's from there too. He is. That, uh, so that's where that first came on the, uh, on the radar. Yeah. That's uh it's a difficult Lulia. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm going to go with, but uh, he's a, he's a great guy. I can't wait for everybody to hear this conversation. And it is a legitimate conversation, not an interview. Sometimes we get into interviews because that's the business that we're in, uh, but also uh, because of the connections that uh, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison have uh, over at Ingle Magazine. Uh, we have these great conversations where it's just uh, fly on the wall. And that's what I felt like uh, when I listened to the Anders Nielsen uh, discussion. And we'll also check in with Cam over at the Hockey Shop uh, with our gear segment, the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, uh, presenting uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast. And uh, they're busy going through some stuff. And uh, we we don't talk a lot of Vaughn on this podcast, but, uh, but that's our focus today. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the Vaughn V9, which is not a new line, but we've got some new, actually old, graphics on this version so i guess <laughs> they call it retro i believe that's what the kids call it retro although i think me and cam got into a little argument about what the proper phrasing was as we as we get into the year segment but a reminder that uh, this gear we're going to discuss today is on the rack on the shelf you can find it for yourself and get the right sizing at thehockeyshop.com you can call cam get all the different specs uh and as well as all like as, as this new stuff comes in and comes out of the box and goes on the wall uh, a reminder that the back to hockey sale still lingers. A lot of those door crashers are gone that we talked about. Two for one sticks, 50% off a couple different models of pads. Actually, I think there might be some Warrior G4 left there, um, but make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Even if the door crashers are dwindling in supply, there is still 20 to 50% off all throughout the department. Uh, whether it's gear from a year or two years ago, uh, that happens to be your size and you need something fresh or accessories, uh, whether it's a dangler. I know Darren probably wants you know to get a dangler for me and Hutch, so we all wear it. Mm -hmm. um, neck protection, jocks. We talked about the Brian's jock. There's a ton of stuff on sale right now at thehockeyshop.com, so make sure you check them out. You know what I need? 
And I ran into this this week, and Las Vegas is an amazing place to live and work and raise your kids and be active. And we have a, a great Friday night skate, and I get invited to a couple of other uh, higher profile skates that because they need goalies. But what we don't really have is one of those hockey shop outlets, those go to places where if you have an issue with your gear. You know that you can get it done promptly and correctly. And I did the old blade popped out of my skate this week. Took a puck off the the bottom of the, the skate and out it went. And it broke. So now I need a new blade, but there's half the blade is still in the little socket. I need somebody that can fix it. You I need just don't Cecil. Have that. I need Cecil. And, and I was thinking... I have everything I want in life right here, but I don't have a Cecil. And you, you, you kind of are awoken to that, that moment where uh, you miss your local, like the hockey shop, the hockey shop.com, Cam and company, where you can just walk in and go and get it done. And, you know, that's a, thing. It's a good reminder because not only do they have all your blade needs, all your sharpening needs, Cecil, the master tech back there, making sure that your blades are. Um, profile just how you want them, but they've got all those, right? A custom goalie profile, custom radiuses, uh, lots of different options for aftermarket steel. You're right. It's not just about having, you know, sort of access to a store. It's having access to a store that knows how to find things that will fit your game, yes. maybe even improve your game and do repairs as well. Not just on steel that's stuck in a blade, um, but pads, torn, you know, straps, uh, mod custom modifications. They do it all at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. So we are blessed. It is my backyard. If I have those problems, Darren, I get to pop on by, but a reminder to everyone else, even if it's out of area, if you've got some of those needs, make sure you reach out to them and see if they can help you out. So give me an idea because now I have to go and I have to find somebody to fix the skate. But then when they put in the new steel, I'm just used to like giving a couple of exchanges and what do you like and uh i get these things profiled and i'm not sure like this is this is where i'm does the person know as much behind the counter where i'm gonna go to as as i do maybe i might know more and i don't know a lot about this stuff i can think of a uh locker room as opposed to maybe a retail outlet where you might be able to head due to your employment, that might be a better option for yeah. you. Um, I, was, I, was, I was trying to avoid that. Like, you know, I don't want to be that guy to, to go and go, hey, um, buddy, uh, can I get, I don't want to use names, but uh, what, what do you think? Can I, can I get this done? I want to avoid being that guy, but I might, I might not be able to. Might, might have to go down that path. It's a good, you know, we have a guy here, uh, I'm not going to name names, but for years was famous for just sort of, Showing up with his skates at the rink as a media no. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? John McKeechee. Um, oh. Keech is a legend in this market and we all, everybody loved him, but we all kind of like, you're like, oh yeah. Like, but man, when you go back as far as Keech does with, with uh, Patty O'Neill, yeah. the trainer here, yeah. it's just no big deal. Yeah. But the rest of us just kind of, maybe I was partially just jealous, but um, yeah, I can understand that. Listen, if you've got any questions before you go in, I know this guy at the hockey shop named Cam who can put you onto this guy mm. named Cecil that can probably, you know, okay. with a quick exchange of text message, messages and a photo, figure out how hard it's going to be to get the broken steel out and what you should be looking at for new steel. Because 
as much as we talk about these custom radiuses and all these things that we do, like we talked, remember when we had the Bauer skate, the new Bauer uh, yeah. Pro line comes with a custom goalie specific radius on it. It does create sometimes a bit of a different feel, a bit of a different pitch. And, you know, as much as we know generally for goaltenders, these are beneficial for specific reasons, it can be a bit of a different feel. Like for me, going from a CCM, which is a neutral profile or, or less pitched forward to a Bauer, which is a more forward pitch. Like that takes some getting used to. And so it depends on your situation, Darren. If you're flying right into uh, one of those high, high profile skates with some high level shooters, you might not want to have your blades changed right before in, in a way that could lead to, I mean, I've done this myself, the odd toe pick and face plant because it's so much more forward pitch. You feel yeah. like you're going down a ski ramp about to do the long jump at the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> what do you just mixed up like winter Olympics and, and, Summer Olympics. Well, I'm trying to make. That was impressive. I, I, listen, I uh, I'm all over the map. You must be <laughs> upside down after flying back from Japan. Like, is it nighttime? Is it daytime? Time? Your body, your brain don't know. I'm trying to make everybody comfortable here by just mixing metaphors everywhere. Well, I am appreciative, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna follow up on that uh, with Cam and, and Cecil and see if I can get uh, just a, a bit of knowledge before I take it in and get it done. And that way I've got uh, a foundation there. And uh, boy, the hockey shop, uh, source for sports, sorry, the hockey shop.com. What, uh, what an amazing luxury for people in the lower mainland. Absolutely. And so let's go check them out right now. And speaking of luxuries, you don't have to just buy a Vaughn V9 now. You have the choice of some cool retro graphics. Remember the icebergs? Remember the swirls? Cam's, yeah. Cam's going to fill us in now on how we can get that on a modern pad. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. I'm in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv, and I am surrounded by what I got to admit is some pretty damn stylish Vaughn gear. Uh, it may be Friday or Saturday, or frankly, who knows when you're going to watch this, but it is a throwback Thursday as we record. And so appropriately, we are surrounded with some styles that someone of my vintage might recognize a little more than some of you younger goaltenders, a little... Little Vaughn throwback here. Cam, V9, tell me what I'm looking at. Tell me, you know, we can see the styles. Walk me first through all the different graphic options and then tell me what this set, this V9 set is about in terms of the specs. So what we've done, we've brought back some of their older graphic packages that we have seen in the past. Uh, not limited to Iceberg, Pulse, Swirl, and then we do have a vintage pad as well. It's just there was too many pads to bring up. You so, lazy son of a gun. Easy. Keep it PG. All right. Okay. So we, we've seen the graphics, which many of you have seen. Like we saw like, you know, Charlie Lindgren was wearing a couple of years ago, was wearing an iceberg style graphic. I think when I think of iceberg, I think of Cam Ward in the Carolina Hurricanes. Jimmy um, Howard in Detroit. Yeah. So some classic goalies. Um, several of which aren't in the league anymore, um, which tells you it's vintage. Yes. Well, I love the look. Now tell me about the pad it's been put on. Um, as much as the graphic is retro, or there's some nice modern elements to this pad. Like right away, I'm looking, at, I'm looking over at that graphic, and I'm like, ah, but there's a nice sliding material on the inside edge. So walk me through some of the specs on this line. Uh, it is a V9. Are there anything unique to the retro graphics in terms of the pads themselves? 
Uh, so this is your stock V9 pad. Um, you still are getting their Primo slide service, which is great. Um, their standard Velcro strapping in the back, so a nice modern day upgrade, that's for sure. Uh, we went with just the standard toe tie as opposed to the bungees, just a little bit more traditional lining up with the pads, but obviously gives you the ability to switch it out to whatever you want, just in case you do. Uh, the majority... You know what? I'm going I'm to hold you there. You know what the irony is? We are seeing more and more of our high-level high testers in other brands switch out of the elastic and go back to a traditional toe tie. There might be some science there. I'll let the in goal guys maybe do an article. Well, we'll talk about that a little later on. <laughs> but in the meantime, go back, continue. Bond so, V9. We have split most of the gloves up. Uh, most of the gloves you are going to find in the XP model, which is their one piece cuff design. Very, very similar to a CCM 590. Yeah. So 60 degree break. It feels, feels just like a 590. Very break, much yeah. like it. Uh, nice snappy closure. Uh, lots of skate lace. Um, to again, give that nice absorption for that puck. Um, stock standard V9 blocker. Not too much to say here. We've kind of covered this uh, before, I believe. Uh, nice lightweight blocker, nice fitting hand. Uh, traditional in terms of its feeling, but very easy in terms of its mobility wise. Lots of wrist mobility, lots of tilt forward. Um, a couple of the gloves you will find in their stock V9, um, which is their basically their continuation, their two piece um, from their older Velocity series itself. A little bit more of a full hand kind of style closure. You um, 600 break uh, CCM lovers would like this glove. Again, you're kind of bringing that full hand into close. Nice snappy closure again, as you would normally find uh, for a stock long glove off the wall. Gloves a little more, uh, the, the fingers are kind of a little more curled at the bottom. If you present that to our camera for us, you can see that difference there. Uh, still a double T, but in that case, it looks like you've gone with nylon instead of skate lace. Yes, just to line it up with the glove, just looked a little bit cleaner in, uh, in the grand scheme of things. All right, so folks, we have done the V9 before, so you can go back and check that review if you have any questions. This is just more to update you about how sick you can look in it with all these options available off the rack, ready to go here at the hockey shop at thehockeyshop.com. If you have any questions about the specs, about the sizing, about the fit, about the feel, you know who to call. It's Cam Matt with. Where can they get you, Cam, with more questions about the Vaughn V9? What do we call it? Is this like a retrographic look? Uh, well, we got the squirrel graphic. Again, iceberg, pulse, and then vintage, which is not displayed, but you can see at thehockeyshop.com. You can give me a call, 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. I didn't ask for a recap of the graphics. I just asked for you to tell me what, if they call you, what are they asking for? The Vaughn V9? Yeah, swirl. Retro? Swirl. Retro? Swirl. Yeah, you guys call him and figure it out. He's got lots of options here, and I got to say, they all do look really good. Make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com for all your Vaughn V9 retro graphic needs. Swirl. So coming off Vaughn, I grew up uh, wearing Vaughn. Love the gloves. And uh, one of my favorite pair of pads ever uh, were, were Vaughn's. Uh, Nothing can compare to the access, to be quite, quite honest, the CCM access. Uh, if I live in my past, uh, I, I, I reflect favorably on, on Vaughn, but uh, I don't know whether I'll ever leave CCM, to be quite honest. Uh, 
the the idea of your favorite Bond pad because they've been around for a, a while and in high profile. What, what's your favorite graphic? What's your favorite look? Well, see, I've never really been a Von pad guy in terms of wearing it on the ice, so I can't like do models and things like that. But mm-hmm. graphics, hundred percent, going to be Cam Ward, right? Which was an iceberg graphic, I believe, and that's uh, you know maybe that's I. <laughs> I was a big Cam Ward guy, especially early in his career. Um, big fan of Cam as a goaltender back then, and as a, and as a person forever. Um, and I, you know that was my that was my I was cover I covered that Stanley Cup final um, for USA Today, which was also a big moment for me personally in my career. And just there's something iconic to me about Cam Ward in that graphic. And I know for most people, when they think of on, it actually goes back earlier to some of those graphics. But for me, Cam was the guy I associated with that iceberg, and so that's why I'm I'm picking that one. Uh, mine was Bob Asenza when they played for the Winnipeg Jets. I loved that uh, that setup, that look, uh, and that really sticks uh, in my mind. But uh, the, that Cam Ward Stanley Cup. Now you've tweaked my uh, my memory. Uh, that might might have been the most difficult travel for media in Stanley Cup final history and we're talking Carolina and Edmonton because you couldn't you couldn't there was no direct flights there and it was before the National Hockey League did a charter uh, when there was difficult uh, travel arrangements and you had to go through all kinds of different stopovers to get from one place to the other during that series. I covered two Stanley Cup finals for USA Today but I should add a caveat and one was I would guess what was a similarly tough travel Calgary Tampa Bay which was the one previous to this one. But the caveat is, I was the guy in the Canadian city. This was, a, yeah. as much as I was honored to be covering it, this was in part a money-saving exercise because it was easier to get me to Calgary and Edmonton from Vancouver than it was to have people fly back and forth, as you said, because it was so difficult. So yeah. the team charters would land and they'd have a practice and I'd, the media did, was racing to catch up and I was already there. So I covered both of those uh, and stayed in Calgary and stayed in Edmonton, did not have to experience the nightmare that was travel between the two. You almost had to do it that way, though, to to have somebody on the ground with the teams because you couldn't physically fly out of Raleigh in time and land in Edmonton before the teams were, were going to be on the ice or for their availability. At that point, there's not a lot of practicing going on but uh, just to have their availability good for you that's uh that's very cool it was a big moment for me it was kind of early i was i'd only been covered the league for a few years so to sort of have that usa today byline and in a stanley cup final was uh it was pretty it was pretty big you know what i just remembered i'm looking two, up at the end goal two game sevens too bud yeah n- two games yeah you know what neither one of those game sevens were in the canadian city if you recall so i didn't get the game oh, sevens. right right didn't get the game right. seven sevens may have been the guy who asked marty jelena um i remember asking him about the the puck that we all thought went in on Nikki Habby Bullen in game six that would have clinched it, it. I know. And I remember being the one to ask him, he's just like, well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And we we're trying to get this answer out of him. And and he just kind of was like, hey, I, like they saw it. I didn't. And I, finally, I said, what happens if you go home tonight and you see the replay and you see what we see and think it's all in? And he gave a really good answer. But like it was kind of one of those moments where in this big scrum with all these names who are much bigger than you and everybody's trying to get the answer and nobody really could. And you ask the question in the right way and you're like, hey, I, yeah. I can do this. So, but hey, listen, I'm looking yeah. at the wall here and, and, and some of our past covers of the old Ingle magazine, sort of the physical, the digital magazine yeah. with, the, with the covers on it. I forgot Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard's Vaughn setups uh, when he was in Detroit with kind of similar, um, that sort of similar type graphic with the red along the bottom and white across the top. So 
you know what, uh, all due respect to Jimmy, who was an awesome guest for us too after he retired, uh, throw him right in there with Cam Ward as two of the guys I associate uh, most commonly with that graphic and love it. And then you've got uh, Anders Nielsen, who is pretty responsible for an epic uh, setup uh, in his National Hockey League time. I mean, Anders could could style it. Yeah, and they, I mean, as I said in the interview, you'll hear it up ahead, like he retired with the best setup in the league, right? That Brian's Beast graphic that he had here in Vancouver um, carried over to the Ottawa Senators. But I'm not going to give it all away here because there's a really cool backstory. Um, well, people that like dark colored pads might not think it's so cool. But some detail that Anders gives about being in a all dark blue setup here in Vancouver, switching back to white, uh, the role that goalie coaches' opinions played in it, the role that reviewing photos and footage of himself to figure out whether he looked big or small played in it, uh, and why he finished out his career in a set that was very stylish, but was trimmed around the edges in white. Because of the influence of management. And goalie coaches, but no, it started. I wonder. It, it, it's a, listen. It goes back to a coach in Lulia back in his junior oh. days. Includes the coach here in Vancouver, Ian Clark, and some very firm rules about that. But it was his own decision because Ian wasn't in Vancouver. It was his own decision at the end of a season the year before Ian came, looking at photos and then deciding for the World Championships to go to white and winning a World Championships. Now, some of this could all be between the years. But at the end of the day, one of the biggest humans I've ever met that played goal, six foot six, 230 pound Anders Nilsson. And like this guy could be an action hero. He was so ripped, like the rock type thing. And yeah. he felt he looked small. So listen, we'll have to, I don't want to give it all away, but listen to his opinion on it is, is, is interesting, fascinating at a time when I know there's a lot of people listening going, you guys are full of crap. It makes no difference. The pads are all the same size. This guy played in the show. Let's listen to what he has to say. Uh, let's uh, set it up. Uh, Sensorina VR uh, bringing us our feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Uh, I was uh, using it the other day. I had it in Japan, uh, but I was using it the other day when I got home. And my daughter, I had to switch it off because she was fishing. <laughs> Loves the fishing game uh, with it. And then I turned on the Sensorina VR. She wasn't very happy with me because I basically stole it back. And then so to get back at me, she... Uh, recorded me and uh, I love Sensorina VR I uh, I look a little dorkish standing in the middle of the the front hallway the entranceway to my house making blocker saves and looking down trying to figure out how I missed that last one <laughs> but the price of looking it's worth it to pay that price first oh, of is. all it's like, awesome tell her to fire the video our way we all want to see it here at Ingle <laughs> and on the Ingle social media channels we'll ha- hold it over your head uh, but second yeah. of all, like this is the thing about Sensorina. I think a lot of people that listen to us talk about it, and we've had all these pros, you know, over the past year that are working with it, that we know that are sharing their experiences um, about how it's helped them. I think a lot of people think this is only for the elite. This is only for um, guys who are playing pro or hope to play pro or top end juniors. And what we've discovered and need to remind people is. It's for all of us. Um, yes. It's a cheat code. It's just fun. As, as Hutch's son Matthew says, it's a cheat code for him um, as a guy who hopes to one day play in the league. It's a cheat code for us beer leaguers. I haven't been on the ice in 17 months. I got my season starting in like three weeks. I finally started to train goalie specific. 
Shout out Maria Mountain for her great program. I've started to do the, the work to get the hips going so that I'm not going to be, I have fallen and can't get up guy. Um, I'd like to play more than one period and not have my season end. So I'm doing that work. But somebody said to me, and I'm, I'm looking at a, uh, getting on the ice with a goalie coach just so I can go through, through some reps and get my feet Ooh. under me. And somebody said, well, you got to see pucks. Like, how are you going to, like, you got to feel pucks. I'm like, oh, that, that part. I am not worried about that. I got sense arena. So for my hands and tracking and that's what like we don't get as 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 rec leaguers the opportunity to go train very often. This is a pretty extreme step I'm hoping to take here to actually get on the ice with a coach just to get some ice before I have to yeah. do it for real. But the reality is most of us don't ever do that as as rec leaguers, as adults. A lot of minor hockey kids don't get the opportunity at the lower levels. This is your chance to experience shots your chance to get a feel for the puck, even if it's just in your head, to see releases, to see pucks, to fight through traffic, all those things, get the hands working. Make sure when you lift the hand to a certain spot where you think the puck is headed, it actually does head there, like you said, Darren, or the low blocker. Yeah. How did I miss this? Um, all in the comfort of your living room without having to worry about a couple hundred dollars in ice time and coaching fees. So uh, I, I got to just a reminder to folks, we may tout the work being done by NHL goalies who love Sense Arena, but this is certainly not just for the best of the best. This is for all of us. And as you said, Darren, um, whether you buy the headset independently and order Sense Arena for it or buy the whole package, either one, it's not like it's just Sense Arena on there. My daughters also like to steal the headset and do a little fishing on there. The odd roller coaster ride. So uh, fun for the whole family, even if you're the only one playing goal. Uh, my glove hand's way better than my blocker hand. I don't know why, but, uh, but it's the way it is. And, uh, I just appreciate being able to play the games. Like, like you keep track of saves and I'm always trying to, to, if can I go hundred percent during one? So it's, it's cool. Uh, I love it. Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR, uh, the proud sponsor and presenter of our feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Story, thehockeyshop.com. This week, uh, chatting with Anders Nielsen and uh, give us the backstory on uh, he, he's retired and just recently retired and not of his own uh, choice because of uh, injury. Uh, give us the backstory on on Anders. Well, I mean, he's he missed last season entirely, um, suffered a concussion his final season two seasons ago with with the Ottawa Senators, led to some neck problems and and obviously just wasn't getting better. And I think the biggest thing and you will hear it from Anders himself when I reached out to him after seeing his retirement, my, my, my biggest concern was you're kind of sad to see him go because I really, as you'll, as you're probably going to hear in this, I really enjoyed my conversations with Anders over the years in the locker rooms. Like he's a guy that could really just sit down and talk goaltending, um, and, and had a real passion for the position, right. And was open to it being like, there were questions in return, right. It wasn't just his way or the highway. Yeah. It was a real dialogue. You get that sense with him. Yeah. He was, he was, he was great. And so I'll miss that. Um, but biggest thing was, I just wanted to make sure he, like, I know how important his family is. I mean, you remember, remember the famous, it, it went viral. Remember when he dressed up as Spider-Man and, Spider and was on the roof for his, for his kid's birthday party? Like yeah. that's Anders, right? Like he's just a great person. And so you worried a little bit about the person because for a guy, as you'll hear from, from him, like the struggle was real for a long time. And so just happy. I think for the most part, he's going to be able to live a normal life. Sad that it won't include those conversations in NHL locker rooms, but you know, not everybody that goes through concussions this severe um, gets to get back to enjoying 
the other parts of life on a sort of in a normal mode, in a normal basis. And it sounds like at the very least, uh, that'll be the case with Anders. As for the rest, like um, there was just so many things during his career, so many different things, some some personal, uh, some professional uh, development. Uh, great story in here about reverse VH, RVH, and a, yeah. and a great lesson. Uh, as much as we talk about goalies, uh, always be open-minded to try new things when you get a new voice. This is a great reminder that maybe goalie coaches need to do the same. I'm not going to give it away, um, but there are some NHL goalie coaches that should have some egg on their face after listening to this one. I was thinking the exact same thing about being open uh, as, as an athlete. And when a coach comes to you and says, try this, and it's not really your thing, but you got to be able to try it, that there's uh, an equal responsibility on the instructor or the coach uh, to listen to their athlete and be open. Now, the ultimate uh, choice uh, is the athletes because they are in control of their own body, but the coach can make a, a big difference and can sway that. And uh, it comes down to playing time. Boy, uh, that's a that's a heavy uh, tool uh, to wave. But I, I think it's it's a two-way street there that we don't often talk about. Well, and Anders does. I don't want to give it away. But let's yeah. let's hear from Honors now, and let's hear let let's let him explain to you how he was maybe ahead of the curve, um, and at least one technique coming to North America from Sweden. So happy to be joined on the podcast, the Ingo Radio podcast by Anders Nilsson. I wish, you know, I got to be honest, though, I wish it was under better circumstances, Anders. I wish it was, we were talking about coming back to the National Hockey League. Uh, instead, we're talking about, you know, we're catching up after you announced your retirement last week. So um, just maybe update us. Uh, I know there were some concussion issues. Update our audience on, you know, um, that decision, how tough it was and, and how you're feeling, I guess, uh, in terms of maybe not able to play in the NHL anymore. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, or have you, have you gotten to the point where, you know, you can at least live a normal life right now, uh, in terms of the concussion and getting past things? Yeah. You know, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. That's, uh, um, I'm looking forward to this. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I uh, went public with the announcement there, uh, a few days ago that I'm, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I've been coming to a point where I have to retire from professional hockey but um at least i'm at the point right now where i can enjoy i can enjoy a day-to-day life i can have a normal day-to-day life with my with my kids and uh, my family and wife um i know that's that's not the case for 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 a lot of hockey players that suffers from concussion concussion problems and uh, post-concussion symptoms but uh uh you know for me leading up to this it's um, I can't say it was a hard decision because I, I, I've been trying to get back on the ice so many times and every time I've been trying to push myself and start skating or start working out more, I, 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 get, I get a setback and I, I kind of go back to, to square one. So, um, you know, it was, I would say for, for me personally, it was 
it took me, I would say, uh, almost almost a year and a half, maybe a year and three months before before I could go walk in a grocery store without getting symptoms. Um, so and and when you're at the point when you can't even go in and buy your own groceries without feeling feeling bad, you're you're nowhere close to being being an NHL goalie. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm just happy to hear that you're at least now able to do those things. Uh, as sad as I am to hear that you won't be able to stop pucks at the National Hockey League level, I'm going to miss the equipment. I'm going to miss you, but I'm going to miss the equipment too. You went out with probably the best set in the league with that Brian's Beast set. I got to say that. Um, as you look back, have you had a chance to reflect as you came to this decision? How hard was it? And when you look back, what what's the first sort of things that pop out to you from a memory standpoint of your career in the National Hockey League? Uh, well, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of different things that, that pops out, I guess. I mean, obviously getting drafted by the Islanders and, and signing the first, first contract with them and then uh, getting a chance to, to, to play in the first, first NHL game. That that's something that's going to live uh, live uh, in my memory for uh, for as long as I live that that's that's a special moment for sure and I, I'm super thankful for for the Islanders organization for for giving me the chance that when I was uh when I was a young guy um other than that you know I I had a lot of a lot of ups and downs and throughout my throughout my NHL career but uh I got to see a lot of different cities and play for a lot of different organizations so uh, it's it's tough to just pinpoint a few a few memories. I mean, the first uh, shout out shout out was special, and first win, and uh, you know, all small small things. You know, it's been, it's 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 a crazy world when you're when you're playing in the NHL, and I think it's gonna take uh, even, yeah, a little bit longer time for me to before everything has kind of you know been been sinking in, I guess. Well, I'm I'm hopping all over the place here. I, I'm not really I don't have a really good order for this, but I gotta ask like where. I asked you about the NHL memories, but where does where does 2018 in Denmark rank? I mean, backstopping a World Championships for Sweden and coming home with a gold medal. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's uh, I would say that's that's up there. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to 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 win the Stanley Cup, but uh, I was able to win the World Championship, and that's obviously the main goal when you play professional sports, and uh, and then. Being able to 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 win the the gold medal in in, in Denmark at 2018 was something that's super special for me. I mean, for for Team Sweden, that whole tournament was super super special because we had almost every game was sold out with Swedish fans, even though it was in Denmark. Uh, so it was a special tournament, and uh, that we were able to to come out on top on in that one was was. Special. That's probably, I would say, that's, that that might be the highlight of my my career for sure. So this is kind of a question I ask every guy, and and I'm actually a little embarrassed. I never, when you were in the locker room with the Canucks, and all the times I annoyed you with my questions, I never asked this one. How'd you get started? How did how did Anders Nilsson become a goalie? What made you fall in love with the position? Oh, uh, yeah, you never asked that in, in Vancouver. I guess that's so much else to to talk about. Um, <laughs> I uh, it started off in my in my uh, in my hometown Brazil. Uh, they they had a goalie whose name was a Finnish goalie who his name was Jarmo uh, Millis. Uh, he played played for my hometown team for many many years, and it was in the mid '90s till uh, early 2000 somewhere. Uh, he was a super good goalie. He was a, he uh, he had uh, 
was super good at handling the puck. He actually scored two goals uh, in the in the Swedish Hockey League at the time, and I was I was at one of those games where where he scored a goal. Uh, so it was very entertaining to watch. He was also in 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 some fights. He, he threw his gloves every now and then. So I mean, I think that's when I kind of fell in love with the position, and and I wanted to try to 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 be a goalie when I when I played hockey and. Uh, and then uh, I, I, I maybe after the first or second practice, I felt that I was, I was kind of, I was kind of good at this. I was, you know, feeling that I was able to stop the box, and then one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I was playing goal every single practice. Now we we know so much, or we hear so much um, about sort of this you know, the Swedish goaltending and the program that they've put in place. Um, you mentioned Lulia and I probably mispronounced that. I apologize. I never, I can never nail those. Um, but you know, growing up there, what, like, at what point did you go from the kid that just wanted to be a goalie and because of Yarmo, um, to getting a little instruction, instruction in your game? Cause I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether I think you would have predated some of what we now consider you know, the structure that's in place in Sweden. Uh, you know, we've had Linda Blomquist who, who coaches now there uh, in Lilia, um, you know, on, on, on in goal and on the in goal premium site, talking about sort of how they were part of inventing RVH. But as a young kid growing up, like, did you have that type of structure, that type of coaching, or was it a lot of just sort of going out there and mimicking the guys you admired? Yeah, I know for sure. Like when I started playing, I was more mimicking. Like I was, I was watching guys, like the older guys uh, practice, uh, and then and then then I was trying to do the same thing, and I was watching the the, the pro team, and uh, you know Yarmo Yarmo Milis, the Finnish goal. I was trying to do the same thing as him. So like, uh, but also I, I had some goal coaches at, at a young age. But uh, if you look back at it now, I mean, I mean, I, I sound old, even though I'm not I'm not that old. Like, <laughs> we're, we're we're not we were not practicing RBH or not even one time down. I mean. They were teaching me more uh, old school style uh, goalie uh, when when I first started. So I mean, uh, it was kind of when 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 uh, right when they switched from from old school to like the new butterfly style, as they as they called it. So I was right in the middle there when I when I started playing, I guess. So so I it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't not even close the same structure as as everyone is playing right now. When when I first started in that. Yeah, and and you t- you know, two thousand and nine, you're drafted by the Islanders. Um, at what point leading up to there, like between the young kid who's just going out there trying to mimic the guys he sees and being drafted by the Islanders, was there a point along that path, Anders, where it's like, hey, this is uh, like you said, this is something not only am I good at, but this is something I could play. This is something I could do. I, th- I think it was when I played uh, junior hockey in Uleå, uh for for the junior team. I kind of felt that I got I got better and better, and uh, you know maybe maybe started when I was around fourteen, fifteen. I felt that I, I was good, and I was uh, I was able to uh, to get a chance to play for 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 Team Sweden at the under sixteen uh, uh, tournament, and then uh, then I felt like oh I'm. I'm probably probably pretty good at this when I get a chance to play for for Team Sweden and uh, and um, but for me it's always been uh, it's always been a goal of mine to to be be a pro goalie 
uh, ever since I was a, key, a kid, like everyone else, I had a dream of playing in, in NHL and I had a dream about representing Sweden. And when you're young, you, you don't realize how hard it is and how few people that actually get a chance to, to live up to that dream. So I was very lucky that I was able to, to get that far. But I had, I had tremendous support from, from, from my uh, hometown team from, from when I started, started playing at five, six years old all the way up to to finally reaching the the pro team um but to answer your, your question I, I i guess i i started realizing that i uh i had a talent for for the position when i when i was around 14 15 years old somewhere around there i guess so i gotta ask because you by the time i meet you in the national hockey league you're six foot six were you always the bigger kid or were there low late growth spurts and I'm kind of curious because we had Jonas Enroth recently on, and obviously a lot of the discussion was about you know how he had such a career playing at 5'10". I think a lot of people on the outside assume it's easy when you're bigger, but I know that's not the case. So where did size fit in for you in terms of the coaching and the work you did? Like it was always, was it always something you saw as a positive, or was there ever a point where it's like, did anybody ever say to you, "Hey, you might be too big"? No, like I, I was always yeah, a big yeah, child. Like even right from right from birth, I was all, I always okay. been like the, one of the one of the tallest guys in in my class in school and all the way growing up. up. So I, I didn't have this like going from like having this big jump in height like over over a summer or anything like that. And I think that that probably helped, you know, because I I somewhat somewhere i was able to control my motor skills because you know if you if you grow a lot during, during the summer you can just you know you're <laughs> it's hard to keep track of your arms and, and legs but uh um i i guess i was lucky to uh come up through through the systems when when everyone in the hockey world all of a sudden starts liking taller goalies i mean um, a lot of tall Swedish goalies kind of came up at, at once. I mean, if you look at me, Markstrom, Helberg, um, Lindback, you know, it, it's a lot of them kind of just in the span of within two or three years uh, of each other. So, so I, I never really had a, had a, anyone telling me that, no, you're too big, you can't play goalie. The first one who, who ever mentioned something about my height was Ian Clark when he came to, to Vancouver who is one of the best, if not the best goalie coach I ever, I ever met throughout my whole, whole career. But, but he mentioned that, that uh, I, I might be too big. And he, he didn't say it personally. He was more like ideal, like if, if we're just talking, you know, and he was more like if the ideal goalie height should be, maybe he said 6'2" six, three maximum. Cause if you get above that, like it's hard to control your, your feet. It's hard to control your arms. Like it's, it's tougher to move around and he's absolutely right. It's just a law of the physics. Um, so, but he, he didn't say it in a negative way that I was, you know, you're, you're too big. You can't play goalie. It was more like, <laughs> oh, the ideal goalie height for him was maybe six, two. And, and I think he's absolutely right about that because you're, you have your, you're still big enough to cover up everything you need in net, but it's easier for you to move around the crease, around the post, you know, around everything. So yeah, yeah. that was maybe the first time some, someone mentioned anything about height, but uh, for him, it wasn't personally. It was more, you know, his, you know, we're just talking and I, and I agreed with him. I think you're, you're absolutely right. 
Now, the control you had, because controlling your body was never an issue, as you said, and part of that maybe, like you said, that you didn't have any big jumps, growth spurts, that we see kids go through that, and it can be really hard to sort of adjust to these suddenly longer limbs. Um, what about other sports? Like the the physical you know, element, the ability to control your body the way you did. Like, Did you grow up playing other sports as well? You think that was important if you did? Uh, yeah, I, I played soccer like almost everyone else in in Sweden. Uh, okay. Like yeah, I I I played hockey during the winter time, and then I played soccer in the summer. But I I wasn't I wasn't really that good in soccer. So I mean, I mean for me it was was more fun to play hockey because I was better in hockey. And you know, I obviously when you're better in one sport, you you enjoy that sport more. So so uh, for me, hockey has always been number one. Soccer was only something i did during during the summer because uh, i wasn't able to, to play hockey at the time um and and maybe that was something negative you know i i, I never been i never been that good in soccer i haven't been you know uh i haven't been that good at controlling the ball <laughs> so uh, maybe that's something negative with my height i don't know maybe i just have a have bad feet or something uh so i, I guess i i chose the right position and the right sport I was just going to say, like, as a hockey goalie, I don't think I could even step foot on a soccer pitch because to me, those goals are just so darn big. I'd run screaming the other way. I don't want nothing to do with anything that has a goal that big behind anyone. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, for sure. They, they're doing a good job. That's for sure. Now, uh, after drafted, you spent a couple, played a couple more years in Lulio. Um, see, I got, I'm getting a little better there. Um, played in the SEL for a couple of years before coming over to North America. Uh, first season over here, a little bit of time in Bridgeport, time with the Islanders. What that decision to come over was that a tough one for you? What made you know you were ready? And what do you, what was the hardest part of that transition once you got over here? Uh, I think like no, for me like I I I, I had a pretty good season with with Lulio, uh, my last season before I came over to North America, and and my goal. Um, that before I came over was like the last season in Lulia. My my goal throughout the whole season was to 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 get a contract and and to to move over to North America, and I was able to to achieve that. Uh, but uh, obviously, I, I I came to a very you know um, it was uh, it was a lot of good goalies in the Islander organization back then. I mean, they had Nabokov, they had. Uh, um, I almost forgot that they had the Pietro, they had Montoya, it was uh, Mikko Koskin and Kevin Polan. I mean, we had, we had six, actually, if you look back at it, it's like really good goalies in the organization within two teams. Uh, my, my first, my first season. So it's, it's a bit, it, that's a bit, a bit crazy when you look back at it, but it's also uh, a fun memory. What, what about on the ice is and that smaller rink? What was the toughest? Like, do you remember anything about that adjustment? I mean, it's a while ago, but even having to go back and forth when you went over for a world championships back onto the big ice, was it, was it that big an adjustment or was just like riding a bike after a couple reps, you're, you're okay on, on the angles and the feel of everything. What to you was the biggest difference? I think the the first year, the first the first season when I came over from from Europe uh, after playing on, on a big ice my whole life, I think like the angles are obviously super like they're very different. So it took a while to get that get used to get used to to and to the angles and but like the first memory that pops out out is uh, 
Like I, I remember that everyone just shot the puck from everywhere. Like right. uh, even if the puck was in the corner, like in, in Europe, like people are holding on to the puck and they're passing around and they they're trying to they make an extra move or something like in uh, the first couple months in, 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 in North America and uh, in the American League, I just remember like, oh, I have to be ready all the time because everyone's just firing the puck. Uh, but, but after a while, I, I realized that's, that's more fun because you're more involved in the game, obviously. So, but I think that, that was the biggest difference. It was the angles and that everyone shot the puck from, from everywhere. I was going to say, and the, the from everywhere part includes bad angles below the goal line. Um, you'd mentioned sort of when you started, it was a little more old school. And, and as you went along, like you were kind of, you were coming up as all these new post techniques kind of came into play both overseas and in the national hockey league. Like how important was post integration, whether it was, you know, one pad down or RVH, like where, where was your evolution there? Um, yeah, so I, I like, we were actually a little bit of ahead in Sweden. So I, I started working with RVH in Sweden before I, like a couple of seasons before I moved over to North America. Uh, so my first season in North America, like almost no one did RVH and I was doing RVH. And some people were saying to me like, no, you can't do RVH. You have to do, do one pad down. And I said like, no, we're, I've been doing RVH. And they were like, no, you can't do that. That may be worse in Europe, but it's not going to work. And, on the small ice in, in North America. And it was a lot of people who were telling me this. Because uh, it was like, obviously, I think RVH was invented in Sweden. So no one has yeah. ever seen it. And they've they seen it in, in Europe. And they were saying like, oh, maybe it might work. It might work on the big ice, but it's not going to work on the small ice because everyone is firing the puck. Everyone is shooting. The, their accuracy is much better better here and, and this and that. So so that was that was a big adjustment going from in Sweden, going from one pad down to RVH and then trying to go back to one pad down. But, you know, as evolution went on, like obviously everyone else started doing RVH all the time. So <laughs> I was going to say, you probably had to send, send a few notes out afterwards. I told you so. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, it's, it's, but it's hard as a young kid, you know, I was 21 at the time to kind of say like, no, I'm, I'm not doing one pad down. I, I want to do RVH, but when you have a lot of different people that's trying to, you know, say like, no, RBH works in Europe. It doesn't work in North America. And I've been in North America for, for two or three weeks when I'm going to say like, okay, I, I guess it doesn't work here. You know? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually funny when you, when you look back at it. That is. And I'm not surprised. Cause like you said, uh, we, we had Lin, Linda Blomquist on and, and talking about how in, in Lulia, they, you know, they were at the forefront of that, that invention of the RVH. So I'm not surprised you had it early. Actually, Jonas Enroth talked about when it started to come in play over here, he went back in the summers and talked to the coaches there so he could try and learn it properly. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Now th that theme though, Anders, um, you know, having a coach tell you to do it one way, and, you know, I'm guessing, especially, you know, I mean, St. New York, and then after we went over to the K and then came back, like Edmonton, St. Louis, Buffalo, Vancouver, Ottawa, every time you change teams, you got a different voice and probably somebody asking you to do something different. What advice, like, how did you manage that? Managing your game, but also managing other people's expectations that you would try new things. And this is something kids face a lot these days. You know, they'll have a goalie coach in the summer and then they'll go to a new team even before pro level and be asked to do different things, what advice would you give based on your experience with that? 
Oh, that's 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 a that's a that's a tough one actually. Because I mean, I, I felt I was struggling with that my, myself from going from one team to another, and it's it's very very hard when 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 a coach asks you to do one thing, and and maybe you don't believe in that, but you also feel like oh maybe I I need to do this to be able to play games. Because if I don't do this, I I'm not gonna play the game. So that's that's right. a super super hard hard question, but. Obviously, I think you have to be you have to be open. You have to be able to to talk to your to your coaches uh, about it and and maybe say, hey, I I don't feel comfortable with this. I feel this works better for me. Uh, what's your opinion of that? Like, I feel I, I'm 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 not feeling that I'm 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 not feeling comfortable stopping the puck this way. I feel like I'm thinking too much and it's not going to work in a game situation for me. Is is it okay if I? If I do this instead, I feel much better at this, or you know, try to have a like every, every everything else. Like I guess, try to have a have a conversation and, and see where where that leads. Because it's it's always hard when you get told like if you have you go to goalie camp and they tell you one thing, and then you come to your team, they tell you a complete different thing. Um, you have to feel what works best for you, and and then and then be open about it, and then, and have a. Uh, talk about it you know have a conversation with you go with your goal coach i i guess yeah no doubt and it, it, it is tougher and, and i think that's great advice that it just becomes a conversation as opposed to but as you know like you said earlier sometimes sometimes those conversations with some people are they're one-way conversations so the the more you can make it a two-way conversation the better that is um I'm curious, after some time with the Islanders, you head back to the KHL. And this is actually another question I never did have a chance to ask you in the locker room in Vancouver. But that decision to go back to to Russia for a year before you came back over with the Oilers, your rights were traded while you were over in the KHL. What went into that? What was uh, the mindset there? And, you know, at a time when the game was becoming increasingly east-west here in the NHL, do you think it helped being in the KHL where... From what we've been told, it's pass, 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 pass one more time, dust it off and pass again. Like the patience you needed to play over there, did it help when you came back? Yeah, for sure. Like, like, like I, I said earlier, like my, my first, uh, first impression of playing in North America was like they shot the puck from everywhere. And then I came to yeah. KHL and I felt like, oh, you guys never shoot the puck. Like <laughs> you're wide open in the slot and you, you, you're passing. Like what's going on? Like, so that was a big transition coming to KHL. Like it probably took me uh, a full month, like four weeks before I was even somewhere good in, in practices because they were passing so much. Like I was able to, you know, I was, I was, um, my mindset was like, I was locked in on the shooter and like, oh, he's going to shoot, but he didn't shoot. He was passing. So they had a wide open net. So, um, so I had to work obviously a lot on my pay, uh, a lot on my, on my patience in the game. And, uh, on my feet and, and stuff like that. But um, if I go back to, to, to why I, I wanted to, to go to the KHL was I, I felt like I, I didn't take the steps that I wanted in my, in my, um, you know, in my career, I felt like I was kind of standing still in my development over the three years in, in Islanders. I, they, they wanted me to, they wanted me to play in another year in, in, in Bridgeport in, in the American league. And I felt like, no, I was, I wasn't taking the steps I, uh, me personally, I, I, I wanted to. So that, that's why I first of all decided to, to go to KHL and try something new. And, um, and when I came there, I was, I was lucky. Like I was super lucky to have a, a really good goalie coach. I had a Finnish goalie coach that put in all, all his time and heart and effort to, you know, for, for his goalies. 
And that's why I was able to have such a good season as I had in the KHL and eventually coming back, being able to come back to, to North America and, and, uh, and Oilers. And, uh, and with all due respect to the Islanders at the time, I'm guessing you probably had more goalie coaching support in the KHL that year and than you might have had at times with the Islanders. Because if I remember correctly, uh, like I'm not even sure they had a full-time guy throughout your time there. They were one of the last teams to sort of commit to you know, full-time and a guy in the AHL and, and a little more resources. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was one of the issues I felt like I... Like it was, they had a lot of different goalie coaches, and 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 uh, I had a really good relationship with all of them. But I, I felt for me, the I needed the support every day. I needed someone to be at every game. I needed I needed someone to be at every morning skate. Um, and and at the time, they were kind of they had a uh, goalie coaches coming in for maybe two weeks at a time or one week at a time, and then it was gone for two or three four weeks. Uh, and for me, uh, for, for my personal development, I felt like I, I needed a guy there every day. Um, so for me to, to get that in, in Russia and in KHL and then also with a really good Finnish goalie coach, um, that was, that was a big part of my, why I was able to develop so much as a, as a goalie that, that season in, in Russia. And did you go over with a lot of confidence? Because I sort of forgot, like heading over to the KHL, you were coming off in 2014, really good run at the World Championships. Um, I think it was Belarus. You guys won a bronze, but like 9.37 save percentage. You were the guy played nine starts. Like, how did that did that help coming off all that back and forth in the island to have to go over and have a tournament like that? Did it sort of give you some confidence? Yeah, for sure. I think it gave me a lot of confidence. You know that. Uh to kind of prove to myself that I was able to play, that I could play good hockey and play play good good hockey consistently throughout the whole tournament. And um, that was like, that tournament obviously led up to, to me to be able to to sign a contract with uh, Akbar Kassan because um, maybe if I didn't have that that tournament, that maybe would not have been given a contract in, in the KHL and or, or with such a good team and organization as, as Kassan is. So... That tournament obviously not only gave me some confidence. I think that that tournament also gave me gave me the contract with with that team. So so it was that that world championship in specific that uh, you know led to a lot of lot of positive stuff. Uh, if I look back at my career, um, for sure. Okay, you come back in Edmonton and St. Louis the first year, Buffalo for a year with Robin Lehner, and then into Vancouver. Um, where you were with Jacob Markstrom, like was it? Did you enjoy the times with fellow Swedes? Like when you played with Robin, we did. Were those guys you had relationships? Did you? You had mentioned some of the other names, Anders Lindback, that generation of. It was in, like you said, an entire generation of six foot five, six foot six, successful Swedish goaltenders. Say that five times fast. Um, and uh, did you have relationships with them over there? Did you guys train together? Uh, national teams together, and then you, you know, like I know with with Markstrom, you played on a World Junior team. Was it was it somehow easier, better, or more enjoyable when you were with them as playing partners in the National League? Yeah, you know, like obviously both with uh, with Robin and, and and Jacob. I mean, we're 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 same age. I've been I've been playing with both of them uh, in in the national team when we were, were younger and growing up, and we were playing against each other as well. But we we lived uh, we, or we live so far apart from each other in Sweden. Like I, I live up north, and they live further further south. So it's not like we we see each other we see each other every day or see each other during the summers. But 
uh, you know, the hockey world is small, so everyone kind of know everyone, and especially when you're when you're a Swede, you know, you kind of have a tendency of you know hanging out more when you when you play on the same team. So it was obviously a lot of fun to to play and be able to have have a Swedish Swedish goalie partner and and both both me and and Jacob and me and Rob and we had super good re- relationships when we, when we played together and and we were able to have those kind of relationships that like even if the other goalie the other one is playing good we were happy for each other and and when you when you get to that point like when you're happy for one another and like truly are like that's that's a nice feeling to have as as a goalie and you know that usually usually you start performing better on the ice when you feel that you have your your partners the partner have your back now your first year here in vancouver you had a rather like it was a great look dark it was the dark blue ccm set and it was striking but you went to the world championships and you tried something lighter now we're gonna piss off some people that believe in dark gear here but can you walk me through the process that led anders nilsson and i know there's probably ian probably plays a role here because there's some rules about colors once he arrived in vancouver too but he wouldn't have been here that first year. What like what was that? You went from a dark guy, dark dark gear to a light guy. What was that process like for you? Uh, yeah. So actually, if you go back to my last season with with Luleå, like the the pro the pro season in in Luleå, I have I had a head coach and a goalie coach that had exactly the same rules as Ian Clark. Like oh, okay. you 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 need you you need to play with white gear. Or at least the outline has to be white, because because you look bigger. You can't have dark sets. Like the head coach in Lulia actually told me, like if you come here with black pads, I'm not gonna play. Wow. <laughs> so 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 since then, I, I usually had lighter gear, and then all of a sudden, I, I signed in Vancouver, and I was like, oh, I've been playing with white gear almost throughout my whole pro uh, career, and I'm like, okay, I, I want to switch it up. I want to try a, a dark set. So that's why I made I made uh, the the all blue and a little bit of green, a touch of green um, uh, on the on the set in my my first year in with Vancouver. But obviously that season wasn't the way I I wanted it to go, and my and my performance on the ice, and I wasn't playing as good as I wanted. And and you know as a goal, you you look at you look at a lot of small things, and I thought thought like oh it, it has to be the the dark set. So that's why I, I switched it up for for the world, and then all of a sudden you go on and I, and, and I have a good tournament and with uh, with Team Sweden in 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 a light light uh, light color set, like in, in almost a, a, a white uh, set of pads and, and and gloves with Team Sweden, and then and then Ian Clark comes in uh, over the summer and he says pretty much the same thing as they they said to me in Lugia, like you need to have the outline white because uh, you look bigger and and I totally agree on that like if if you if you want to look as big as possible in that you need to have a white outline or, or a very very light color on your on your pads and gloves well we'll get to the set you you came back with in that second year in a second but I did want to ask you when you looked back on that first season in Vancouver we looked at film looked at pictures like did you feel like you look small because it's kind of hard for me to think of Anders Nilsson looking small at you know six foot six and um, but when you looked at the gear, did you feel like you were smaller wearing all the the dark blue gear? 
Yeah, I think so. Like when I look at myself and if I look at a, 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 a game video or something from, from that season, I felt like I looked skinnier, especially if you, if you look at the, the like the, the home jerseys with, uh, with uh, the dark blue, uh, the dark blue jersey and the dark blue pads. It's a lot of dark, and I think you see, I think you see more net. Uh, and 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 uh, I, I, I can't remember how I felt on the ice. I don't think I felt small because if, if I would have felt small, I would have changed it right away during midseason. Right. But uh, but you know, looking back at it now, I definitely feel, feel like I, I looked skinnier on the ice, and you, and you saw more holes. Under under the on like seven you see the seven hole more uh, seven hole more obviously and obviously and you see the five hole looks bigger and you know small stuff like that but I know a lot of goalies that are a huge fan of of dark sets but uh, me personally I did, I didn't have a good season in it and so that's why I I I switched after after one uh, one year. Okay, well I've taken up more time here than I promised I would, Anders, but I do got to ask one more the the B set. Because we've written the story, and so some people will know this one already. But for any of our audience that hasn't heard it, how'd you the decision to to go with that graphic that second year in Vancouver, and then both your seasons in Ottawa, uh, and the history you have with that old design, that old Brian set? Can you just share that story with our audience? Yeah, for sure. It's so like when I like I think it was around twelve or thirteen years old, somewhere around there. I was able to get a get over uh, a pair of uh, Brian Steve's pads and they had that graphic on them. And over the summer, my, um, my mom uh, found them in, in their, their summer cabin and she took a picture of it and sent it to me like, Oh, do you remember these pads? And I, and I, I said to myself, wow, I, I have to make, make it, Cause I was switching to Brian's at the time. I'm like, Oh, I have to make a pair of pads with these graphics on it. Um, so, so that's kind of how that, that graphics came, came back in, in the picture. Uh, and I'm, I'm super happy the way it turned out. Like when I first saw, saw that, I'm like, wow, this is, this is actually better than the original. And, and like I said, you ended up retiring with the nicest set. It like, that was, that was the best set in the league for the, the years you wore it. That was an awesome set. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I mean, Brian says. Uh, does a great job with their with their graphics uh, with their graphics and uh, I mean I I think that these graphics is either you you love it or you hate it I mean I mean some people like even some some teammates they say like oh they look awful but a lot of them like them and I think it's one of those things like either you love it or you hate it but me personally I liked it so that's why I I, I continued with it. Do you still have like the the pads your mom found? Do you still have them or did you? Uh yeah. Yeah, they're still there, uh, as far as I know, uh, unless they they tossed it out. But uh, I don't I don't think they 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 have. I think they're still in cabin. Okay, listen. I said I had one last one, and I I screwed up. I have one more, and Darren Millard, our host, uh, is going to be laughing his ass off right now because I always have one more. I I forgot to ask you about 2016 in um, I think it was in in Buffalo. Yeah, with the Sabers at the time, the decision to add the pride flag. Uh, to the mask. You're the first one in the NHL to, you know, go out, go out of your way to sort of express that support for that community. Um, and I, I, I wanted to make sure I included this in the interview. Why was that important to you? No, for, for me, it, it wasn't a big thing. Like for me, it was more, I wanted to support some friends that I had or, or had that is, that is, uh, uh, is homosexual. And I was wanted to, I, I just wanted to support them uh, in one way. And I, I felt like, uh, 
a small thing for me to do was just to put the price tag on on the helmet and I was never expecting uh, it to be such a big big thing and blow up in in media and all that sort of stuff but uh, obviously it was necessary and I'm I'm happy for for all the the positive support uh, that that I got from both teammates as organization and and the whole whole league uh, I mean um I, for me it was I, I never expected it to be the such a big thing but i'm I'm happy i, I put it there if if i only would have knew uh, knew i i would have done it much earlier in my, my career but uh you know just to see where we are now like you know a player come out this this summer and and saying that he's gay and he wants to to, to continue stream to play play in NHL that just makes me happy and I, I think we can I, I I'm hoping that we can see more and more players that uh, you know uh, comes out and and uh, you know uh, hopefully eventually reach reaches the NHL as well. Well, I think like you said, it's uh, good on you because you didn't do it to make a statement, but you quickly realized that you know it was important for other people to see there was support there. So. Uh, at a time when nobody else was doing it, um, just wanted to make sure I that we mentioned that and and thanked you for it because it meant a lot to a lot of people as you, as you discovered after doing it. So uh, and it became a it becomes a part of your career. Um, what's next? What uh, have you thought? Like, do you want to stay involved in the game? I guess health will depend. Do you see yourself as a goalie coach at any point, or are you just going to kick back and enjoy some family time for a while? No, you know, like I, I obviously like uh, I, I want to stay involved in in the hockey community uh, somehow. I haven't, I haven't uh, coming to a point where I know exactly what I want to do, but I, I just know that I wanna, I want to continue in the in the hockey hockey community somehow, whether it's as a goalie coach or working in TV or being a scout or agent. You know, like you can be so many different things. I, I, I just know I want to be, I want to be a part in, in the hockey world and working with hockey somehow. I'm not, I'm not ready to, to let go of the, of, of the game of hockey. I, I love it too much. I want to be involved somehow, but I think I, I'm going to let everything sink in and then see what happens here in the, in the fall and winter and, you know, next couple of years. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that I can continue to work work in the game some somehow and then and, and helping helping other other players and and goalies in, in in some way well i'm glad to hear that because the game's better with anders nilsson around it uh gonna miss you uh in the nhl so not happy about that but i'm glad to hear that you're going to be around and that also gives me an excuse down the road to hit you up for one more interview at some point and buggy again you can't escape me that easily anders so um, congratulations on a great, on a great career. As much as you didn't want it to end under these circumstances, I'm so happy to hear that you're, you know, doing it for the right reasons and that you're going to be okay in terms of health and family. So thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was super nice to talk to you again. So, so take care of you and, uh, and your family. So nice to hear from you. VH, RVH. At, at first, when he was talking about uh, RVH, uh, I thought I was not hearing it properly. I thought he was talking about VH in the sense that he was ahead of the curve on that. But uh, being in the RV, I could see how that would would raise some eyebrows in North America at the time. But uh, when he was told, like, yeah, it's not going to work in, in the small rank. You, you're, nowadays, you're like, what? What? Uh, can you imagine? And of course, we know if you're an Ingle premium member you've read the story probably and if you haven't make sure you go through the archives it was one of the first ones we did linda blumquist 
uh, from Lilia, where she's a goalie yep. coach, one of the goalie coaches there, talking about how they were, they'd kind of invented, for lack of a better term, um, in Sweden, as, as Anders said, they were ahead of the curve on, on RVH. And so here's a guy that learns it over there, comes to North America, is pretty much told not to do it and it won't work. And as he said, he's 21, 22 years old. He can't exactly tell the goalie coach, hey, this will work. And now we're, we're a decade later and everybody does it. Quick won the cup the following season with it, and that's when it took off. I got to think if you were the coaches that were telling him with the Islanders organization at the time, sorry, this isn't going to work. You know, the next few years would have been a little tough to be like, yeah, we could have been ahead of the curve, but we told him, you know what I mean? It's, it happens. I get it. But it's just a great example, a good reminder. We always talk about goalies be open to new ideas. And that applies to you goalie coaches too. Yeah. And just don't say no because you're not familiar with it. Learn it. Uh, put some put some thought into it and research it. And then if you come back and go, mm, it's not going to work. Well, then you've got uh, a little bit of backing to your to your argument. Uh, a, a lot of fun. Do you, I know you guys talked about it, but um, uh, he sort of strikes me as a guy that'd be a great commentator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. He was uh, he was nervous about his English. Because he's been back in northern Sweden, in Lulia, for over a mm-hmm. year now. And he says, you know, all the things that, like, you, when you're playing in North America, you're just speaking English every day, right? And, and yeah, I, having been to Stockholm, I was amazed at how many and how well, like, everyone spoke it and so well. But he's like, when you don't use it every day, when you're back home and you're speaking Swedish all the time, he was, he was legitimately nervous about how he'd come off. And obviously, there was no problems there. It was like riding a bike and it came back. So whether it's back home or over here, the way he thinks the game, the way he approaches the game, I'm with you, Darren. I think he'd be a great voice. And whether it's coaching or commentating or he gets into management, I'm just, you know, like I said, happy that he's in a state where the next step is going to include those options and lots of family time in the meantime. And if he finds his way back into the game in whatever form, I'll be happy because it means we'll have more of these types of conversations. And I always enjoy them with Anders. Uh, I feel bad because I haven't let, uh, I've been really, really uh, neglectful of David Hutchison during this episode and I haven't let him talk at all. Yeah. He's been, he's, he's kind of been quiet, eh? Yeah. He has been very quiet, but he, but he's not here. Uh, how's he doing up there? Well, this is a good segue to some of the content we've got coming up at Ingle Premium. Uh, David is at the Net360 goalie camp in Kelowna right now with his son. Uh, Matthew, but also on the ice with the goalies, getting footage, getting video, um, some great stuff uh, at that camp put on by the Alpha Hockey Agency and Ray Petkow, the agent, Adam Francilia, the trainer. Uh, we've got some stuff on and off the ice with a friend coming up. Mike, how about this? How about Mike Smith with a puck handling clinic and how to and several Ooh. different tips? All mic'd up, all caught on camera, and all coming to Ingol Premium in a couple of weeks. How about goalies with lasers attached to them as a way to sort of what? monitor their tracking ability? I'm leaving it at that, Darren. Waiting on permission to share. We're just going to tease it like that. There's a lot of cool stuff coming, and it's all because Hutch has been busting his ass up in Kelowna all week. Multiple sheets of ice, chasing guys on both sides of two rinks with cameras and microphones. Go, 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 go. He hasn't stopped. I'm not there with him. Um, I've left him on his own completely, and he's working his butt off to bring us some fantastic content in the coming weeks. Yeah, what do you think is most important when you're a good puck handler, like a Marty or Marty Turco, Marty Berger, 
uh, Ron Hextall, uh, Mike Smith, uh, uh, Nadelkovich. Is it because there's there's parts of it where you got to be you have strong hands, you got to have strong forearms, uh, you got to have great coordination. Uh, I'm I'm wondering what what if there's a commonality between all of them. Is it is it the hands where you're just able to grip and and rip more? What do you think of the? Is there a secret? I think there's probably a combination of all, and I haven't seen the footage, so I'm kind of curious myself to see uh, if Mike Smith can turn me into even an average puck handler. I think my beer league team prefers it like they would if they could they tie me up like yeah. millhouse to the net and couldn't get out of there um i think i mean no shortage of strength for for mike smith but i think there's a there's technique in terms of how you shoot it and at the end of the day it's all about making the right decisions and processing reads and forechecks not just in terms of being able to see what's coming and make the right choice but how do we get out of the net? Where do we receive the puck? Where do we set ourselves up? How do we turn our feet so that we have options? So that we don't put ourselves in a situation where if the one the option we first thought was there isn't because the four checks closed it off or they've peeled off with your defenseman, that you don't have to, you have a bail, you have a plan B, you have a plan C, and you have access to it because of the way you're pointed up ice, the way your skates are open, the way you're holding. There's so many little details, and I'm just excited that one of the best in the game is going to share some of the keys with us and with our membership at uh, In Goal Premium. So if you're not a subscriber already, get on that because there's uh, lots of good stuff coming. And speaking of which, and speaking of puck handling, um, coming up, I think it'll be this weekend, we'll have it up. Our second in the, if not this weekend, it'll be up next week. Our second in the video series from Hockey Canada. We did the one hour with Roberto Luongo, the Q&A that was loaded with great tidbits. Well, this time, it's a coaches panel. Uh, includes Joe Johnson, who's worked with the national women team, Dustin Schwartz of the Edmonton Oilers, Dan Stewart, who is the St. Louis Blues development goalie coach, and Andre Ternier, who is now the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. And I got to say, keep your eyes out for this one, because I was like, I, I, I'm... I, I'm what I'm the moderator, and that's why we have access to it because I did the moderating for Hockey Canada, and they agreed that we could share it with premium members. I saw that we had a head coach on the panel, and I was like, "Why are we doing this?" That was my question, and I was nervous about it. He was phenomenal, and talking about his history with as an assistant coach under Patrick Waugh, how they would change the penalty kill focus depending on which goalie was in net that night and their strengths and weaknesses. Varlamov, super mobile, Jaguar, more everything come at me in straight lines. Some great anecdotes. Again, talking about goalies and goalie coaches and, you know, that relationship and practice sucks and how do we make it better. Some great advice on that. And to bring it back to the stick handling, which is how I got off on this tangent, some great talk from Dan Stewart and some other coaches about how we just don't give goalies enough encouragement, time to work on it, and sort of openness or like you can do this go for it in games at a young age to handle the puck and how that puts them behind the eight ball and forces them to sort of learn it all on their own we've heard it from Brodeur and Nadelkovic anytime the play was at the other end of the ice and I was had some quiet time I would handle a puck I would work on it well according to this coaches panel some pretty good names think that maybe we shouldn't leave it at that Maybe we should be helping them work on it. So some great thoughts, and it's all going to be coming to ingoalmag.com for our Ingoal Premium Membership. Between that and Mike Smith, I think that we might not just have up-and-comers. 
we might not just have uh, prospects. Uh, we might not just have uh, beer leaguers, but also current National Hockey Leaguers. Just trying to get a little bit of the secret sauce behind what Mike Smith or uh, the coaches think about handling the puck. Uh, Good job. Well, like from what I understand here, it started with Mike working with two of the younger goaltenders at the camp, but at least one other pro saw what was going on and wanted to be a part of the audience and came down to check it out. And speaking of what's coming up next at, at Ingle Magazine, Hutch has also for the podcast got a great interview with Zane McIntyre um, that will hmm. that will run, and he's got a great backstory. Uh, and just a fascinating guy as well. And I've already recorded one with Drew McIntyre, the new goaltending coach of the Manitoba Moose, who just retired this past spring and has tons of great stories that I can't wait to share. So we got great content coming up at ingolmag.com, but also here on the Ingol Radio podcast, mostly thanks to Hutch and his hard work up in Kelowna this week. Uh, Drew's an awesome guy. Very, very cool dude. Uh, Had an opportunity to, to cross paths with him in the past. And you're right, Zane has a wild backstory uh, that uh, that you'll just be curious. Uh, you'll you'll be sucked into it because you'll you'll be sitting there going, "Really? Wow!" Um, may not be in that terms, but uh, maybe there might be a, a a couple of other adjectives thrown in. Uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll get back with uh, with Hutch when he uh, when he decompresses uh, from uh, the interior of BC and. Uh, Hope that uh, he's having fun up there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and uh, we can't wait to hear your reaction. We've got a couple of great notes over the last couple of weeks. Uh, keep them coming, the interaction, uh, the correspondence uh, with us at InGoal Radio, the podcast InGoal Magazine, uh, to Kevin Woodley or David Hutchison or myself, uh, or uh, drop uh, let us know what you think of Cam and uh, and that uh, zaniness over at The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. And thanks to Sense Arena for the feature interview presentation. Uh, stay safe, be well. And training camps right around the corner as we um, wind our way through 2021 and this wonderful world of goaltending.